Host Adam Jamail. And I'm Harry Schroeder. That's right. And this is the Quack 12 podcast, the most official, unofficial Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. There it is, baby. Aaron. Yo. I've been watching a lot of duck sports. I've been watching Quacksaball. I've been watching football. Uh, that's about it. But yeah, it's been amazing. What have you been up to? Nothing, baby. I've been recording bands. Yeah. Everybody, great brand new New York band out there called Purest Feeling. Purest Feeling. Purest Feeling. Is that with uh, an E or an were, I? They're on the West Coast right now doing a couple doing a couple dates. Mm. Uh, came into the studio for a day. We did a track. It's fucking mwah, chef's kiss, baby. There you go. All right. But. I watched a football game, and it was okay. the Seahawks. hi <laughs> Seahawks. Sorry. There you go. There you go. No, I did watch the men's football game. It was good. Not the women's. Boring AF after yeah. a certain point. Nice and boring. But good. Exactly. Nice and boring. That's exactly what we wanted. I will say, did they do enough? To convince the board that they should be at the tippity toppity, forget about the Atlanta Georgia game. Did they showboat mm-hmm. enough and put enough points on the board? They were maybe one touchdown light for what <laughs> I would have liked to have seen to to show the whoever is in charge. Well, men in suits. First of all, they're not watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> They've made up their mind. They're just gonna look at the score and be like, mm, "Okay." It was basically. Well, that's why it needed one more touchdown just to really look good. Forty-nine to ten. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it would have been better, but it would have been a smoke show. I'm not. I don't want to be the Ducks podcast that looks at a forty-nine to ten win and right off the bat we're like, "But it could have been more." <laughs> I mean, against we'll the worst it. team in the Pac-12. <laughs> that's very true. You know, I mean, there's extenuating circumstances to why seven more points. There was they were there too. They They got taken away. Let's be honest Mm. here. There's a few points where it's like, yo, yeah. Worst team. I I think it was Pac-12 just intercepted the ball. I think it was a perfect game, basically. Um, Oh, really? I want to tell you this though. Uh, Let's get into this. Let's get into a are. Because we really, a lot of sports media is trying to be like, what's the truth? We don't want to speculate. We don't want conspiracy. That is not what we are about because we are completely about those things. Right. I don't know anything about the game itself, really. So Mm -hmm. I like to speculate hard. Exactly. Uh, We want to just throw things out, see if they stick to the wall. Or if they don't stick to the wall, we'll still run it and talk about it for hours. Is this an early ep conspiracy corner? Oh, yeah, dude. We are deep in the conspiracy corner right off the bat because I believe it was, uh, I mean, it's basically, it's fan-sided, I want to say. or I don't even want to quote the freaking website because it's just some website. It's like a website that I have written for, basically. Like Okay, but what's that's, happened? That's, that's the level we're working on. Let's here, just say right? it. Pull the plug on the website. What is the quote? Dan Lanning and Auburn have mutual interest. 
in because uh, Auburn they fired their head coach Brian Harson. Auburn is you know in the SEC. Get the fuck out of here. There, so that is that is one article by one person, but then people have kind of ran with it, you know. Um, so what I wanted to do here right off the bat, we've seen coach speak, right? We've seen rumors where there were times where Cristobal was rumored to go and he didn't. There was times where Taggart was rumored to go. But then and he did. He did. And then Cristobal, you know, eventually did too. And we've seen interviews where it's like, okay, so is this him just saying the things? Is this a secret code that he's saying to, you know, to the, to Miami that no, don't worry, I'm actually secretly recruiting for you right now. So there, this, I wanted to watch the video of Dan Lanning, oh, and his address, and the truth I is out get, there, bro. Let's watch you, the clip. Yeah, you let me know if there's any any your thoughts on this, you know? Because oh, I'm I'm any coach so speak? scared that it's a hundred percent real because it always is. End of the day, it's not always. They show up and you think they're here for you and for the team and for the love of the sport. But no, they're just paychecking. They're paychecking. They, they only want one thing and it makes me fucking sick is what you're saying, basically. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, Let's here watch we go. This asshole. Let's watch this. I'm ready to hate him. Hey. I'm ready to hate him. <laughs> yeah, Dan, over the weekend, there was a report that you had mutual interest with Auburn. I was curious if you'd like to address that. Yeah, yeah. Uh... First off, I'll say when you know things like this are going to come up when you have team success and when you do your job and things go the way you know they're supposed to go. That's credit really to our team. That being said, I think there's a, a little bit of a problem in society today with people looking for what's next and where where there's an opportunity. And the reality is, you know, the grass is not always greener. In fact, the grass is damn green in Eugene, right? And I want to be here in Eugene for as long as Eugene will have me. This place has everything that I could possibly ever want. Uh, my family could ever want. I've got an 11 year old that's lived in eight States. The last thing I ever want to do is leave. Right. So I, I want to enjoy Facts. this opportunity here. It's been a phenomenal place for us. Quacks. Um, and when you talk about things that align, things that, that match your vision, or what you're looking for as a head coach, you know, Oregon checks every box for me. Right. So when other people, I, th I think history maybe shows that it's, this is a great place to be. I love him. A great place to leave. Can't hate him. Here. Love and, him too much. Uh, Hopefully that's the last time I have to really address it. But the reality is this is a destination, not just for me, but for elite players. And why is it a destination? Because great administration, great fans, um, great support. Um, and it's a good reason to be here and why we're having success that we're having. I believe him because he's a young man and young people tell the truth. Now we don't just bullshit. He's <laughs> I love him. I can't hate him. I love him. I love the way he, he talks. him like four the, minutes ago. And I know I was prepared <laughs> to. I was getting myself pumped to hate. There are there are a few uh, little secret things I think he says. Because one thing he says, I don't know if you caught it, but he says like, you know, I think it's been proven that like this is a good place to be. And like it's it, it, he says something like not a good place to leave. I think that's definitely he's talking about the Oregon curse of like Willie Taggart goes to his dream job, Florida State, runs it into the ground and loses that job like real okay. quick. Mario if Cristobal do stay, goes to Miami and yeah. his having a a truly shit abysmal, show. abysmal yeah. season, my man. You probably don't know this. Like yesterday, so he just lost to Florida State, funny enough, not coached by Willie Taggart. Um and 
Florida State has a ton of duck players, ex-duck players. They have like Micah Pittman, Trey Benson, a running back that like never got really any playing time uh, here. And Trey Benson just freaking went off. Like, I mean, Florida State embarrassed Miami. Miami hasn't scored a touchdown in like two and a half games. Like, they're – and so I think that's a little thing. And he says the grass is always greener. You think my man Dan Lanning found some of that Oregon kush? Facts. Facts. Yes. Yeah, to stay inside, a tight inside conspiracy corner – Mm-hmm. For sure, that dude was high as fuck in that video because that he's video? laughing whenever they <laughs> ask him the question. And you only get the giggles when you're stoned. Facts. Uh-huh. Now, nobody giggles. Look, if somebody's giggling around you, they're high as fuck. Facts. <laughs> Uh-oh. You say as you giggle. Oh, boy. Now, here's why I know he's telling the truth. Okay. And this is as a kid who had to move for real. He's had, if he has an 11 year old who's lived in eight states, that is an unhappy kid because he's, he's having to continuously make new friends. Well, we don't have to speculate on the happiness become super important. (laughs) That's true. So to move, if he were to say those words out, that is messed up. Yeah. And then, Take a job moving his kid again. That dude is a true piece of shit. Well, and I okay. just don't see a true piece of shit in that video. So I, he's telling the truth. He's long hauling it, baby. I'll tell you right now because I did think about that when he said that. But like a lot of coaches, like every coach, you have to say, especially when you have young kids or kids. You always say like, oh, yeah, my kids love it here. We love it here and like doing the best thing. And then like the next thing you're going to say when you're hired away is you go, oh, well, I'm doing the best thing for my family because they're about to pay me 20 million dollars or whatever. You know, I don't know. He doesn't strike me that way. He doesn't seem I mean, from that video. So you're I mean, the way he's saying stuff like Mm -hmm. the, the words he's choosing it would be like what you're talking about coaches saying are platitudes. Yeah. Just really generic boilerplate shit. He's technically bringing up those things, but he is saying it and, and from a frame of mind that you can just kind of tell he's actually telling the truth. I would say. Um, and if he's not, then he really is a terrible human. <laughs> the absolute. That's <laughs> so fine. The, the absolute like easiest tell um is when you go like <sighs> Willie Taggart when he was leaving he was literally combative and like pe- people would go like hey seems pretty obvious you're leaving after one season and he would be he would just go like he would go to the, like the reporter he'd be like what do you mean where have you heard that have I said that have you heard it from my mouth well then, I don't know how that could be true if you didn't hear it from my mouth. I mean, like that—that that is the biggest like sign of like, oh, they gone. Yeah, and point blank, he opened up with calling out society and the job of the press to exploit sensationalism. That's he, true. Like, Usually, I'm a- called it out, and it's like, I mean, that's exactly what. Okay, this is Usually, what, I'm that's afraid. Why he's laughing. Usually, mm-hmm. I'm afraid when people start any sentence with 
we live in a society. <laughs> but I'm glad he, but, uh, you know, they wouldn't wear. But as far as college football he's concerned, right. he's concerned. Yeah, he is true. Yeah, The society in which we live is the one he is speaking about. And he is, I mean, this is maybe also why I like him, is that I am also highly suspect of celebrity culture and mm. um, just the trappings that come along with popular culture if you Cult will of personality dude you know what i'm fucking talking about that song rips dude by the way keep an eye on uh michigan state is trying to flip our five-star qb commit dante moore of the future he's supposed to be our qb of the future when bo Nix leaves so god damn it michigan state keep your hands off and they're a good team right Mm, not really. Like, I thought not really. they had a year. Didn't they have a year? They had too? a year, but that ain't this year. There was that a year team. when we played them and they kicked our ass. Michigan State? No, we Herbert. won that game, dude. That we, Did we? Funny, funnily enough, we won that game, I believe, 7-6. to six. Um, And it was the hardest. It was in a bowl game, and it was one of the hardest watches I've ever had with these Ducks because it was just so boring and bad. And uh, that was one of Cristobal's bowl wins, actually. So we did win that game. Oh, interesting. Didn't, That's really funny. It didn't funny. feel like it. It didn't feel like it. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, well, I digress. <sighs> yes, we you know, do. You know, I'm and... just feeling kind of extra spicy today. Like, I want to just asshole it up. So, uh, to the listeners, sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, Aaron's feeling spicy. Which means yeah. we should. Dan Lanning probably... is not. He's staying. It's Dan fine. Apparently, Dan. I, can we? Can you give us a really clean, like, just affirmation of like Dan Lanning will not leave Oregon football? Just so if he does, I can take that and we can use it for you being wrong in the future. If Dan Lanning leaves, it will be. Not next season. It'll be like five years from now or six. So just, just give me a very clean. Look, I mean, it all hinges on this 11-year-old kid for real. <laughs> like, he's trying I to get this like kid through middle school and high school. When that kid goes to college, who gives a shit? I can go wherever I want because the kid's out of the house. So you're – okay, so let's just leave it. Let's make Is he it a less... bad dad? I don't think <laughs> no. so. So this is really bad territory, fan territory. We don't need to talk about anyone as a parent. But we'll he say brought you, the kid up, not me. Well, you're saying he's going to be here for seven years. Let's say that something like that. Okay, say, at least five. Say Dan Lanning will be here until 2029. Say that in the, the microphone. Dan Lanning will be Dan Lanning will be in Oregon until the Ducks are national champions. There we go. That's all I, I think needed. that's his entire goal. <laughs> Weird energy on this episode right away. I'm telling but you, bro, I'm here to... Pew, 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 pew. I can tell. Yeah, you're going to get us canceled. Um, so we'll hop into the Quaxiball Patreon preview. That is the series which we're covering, Oregon Duck Basketball. Did I need to break that down? Probably not. You probably got it from the name Quaxiball. But um, until we're getting into Pac-12 play, you got to go behind the paywall to hear us talk about these Ducks basketball games. Uh, but right now, we got a little preview for you. And uh, that starts right this moment. Basketball. Quacks ball. 
That is That's the right. best part. That's the best part. Oh, That's oh, a good oh. one. It is a Quaxitball episode. Now, it's kicked off for both teams. For both men and women's teams. Had a basketball game. Uh, women went against Northwestern, those Wildcats. While the men went against, I've always liked this team, Florida A&M, the Rattlers. I've always thought their logo was really, really cool. It's you've, like this, yeah, you've mentioned this before. The green and orange That's viper funny. looks like a 90s pog. Listeners, do you oh, know what I'm talking about? Yep, I do. Because I remember looking it up, and it straight up looks like a pog. You're absolutely fucking right. You get, yeah, okay. That's why you're on the show, because we basically agree with everything. Um, yeah, so this was, uh, it felt like a very useful game. First of all, we're down four players. Well, wait now, a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the issue now I'm having with this episode. Okay. <laughs> Previously, mm-hmm. we talked about women's basketball. It was kind of the preview, and then we're just roping this into... Are we not going to do a men's basketball breakdown and then maybe talk about the game? I'm going to rope it all in. This is mainly going to be a men's basketball episode, and I'll That's pepper good. in some results from the women's We got team. four people out for the yeah. first game. And they're so maybe they're going to be out our roster first. Sounds great. I'll tell you okay. this, my man. Four people out, and they're going to be out for a while. Unfortunately, uh, one of them is Lockwer. I believe that's how you say his name. He's he hasn't had all that much playing time throughout his career here. Uh, he's a redshirt junior. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be out. All we know is that Dana Altman basically just said like. For the for a while, so whatever that means. Hmm. Um, also, I do believe uh, I, uh, Ethan Butler, one of our Canadians. We got a whole lot of Canadians on this team, and that's a great thing because we also huh. got Jermaine Cuisnard, I believe is how you say his name. I remember that name. Yeah. So actually, Dana Altman said he was going to be a starter. And right. We've talked th- about him in the past. He was exciting. He was really exciting, and I think he even just had, like, surgery is what, is what I believe I heard. So, like, I don't know if we'll no even see this season. And it's a pretty good roster even with these four, and I believe the fourth one, Brennan Rigsby is that oh. last guy. Um, and so, like, you know, I think besides – it was only, like, Cuisinart that I think would have been a starter or gotten significant playing time. But this is dipping into, like, the depth that we will have in blowouts. Or if someone were to get injured, you know, like, they can step in just to, like, spell them for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is tough. Um, Other than that, though, I I think it's clear who our starting lineup is going to become, especially since now they've played a game, you know. Right. Um, Number one in our hearts and literally his number in Folly Dante is this is going to be a season, man. So there's been like two seasons where he just sat on the bench because he was injured. Last season, there was still some, you know, he's still working with an injury because like he started the season with a brace and like had to sit out. And But there were still flashes of like, this guy could be really good. This is a great big man here. Like really can move quickly. Looks just really dominant. In, on both offense and defense, and he looks completely healthy right now. 
So I, th- I think he's like probably going to be the fan favorite if he can st- knock on wood. We want mm-hmm. everyone to stay healthy, just say that. Uh, and then Will Richardson is obviously we need him to be good. He's been around forever. How is this mm-hmm. guy still a college student? Well, as they always say, you know, he is friends with Peyton Pritchard, close friends. Uh, like, doesn't even cut how close they are, I do believe. Like, just truly grew up with each other. Um, he looks up to Peyton Pritchard. He wants to be this team's Peyton Pritchard. I don't think he has the offensive chops to actually be a Peyton Pritchard, but that doesn't mean he can't be a great, you know, uh, like, a great player for us. Like, great You could just say his own name. Ball. A great himself. A great himself, you know? Uh, but no, for real, why is he still on our team? Why has this dude not gone to the NBA yet? It's been years. It's it's because he hasn't had a season. He hasn't been good enough. I think that's easy enough. There's been seasons where he's been, like, injured. It's hard to play. And then there's, you know, you can blame COVID for a lot of shit like that. Yeah, Basically, I guess that's true. He wouldn't have gone high enough to make it worth it. Like, Do you think he's he going to go good, at all? If he has a good season, then okay. you never know. Yeah. I mean, probably not. It's really hard to get, you know, on an NBA roster, but we'll see. The, he's looking to have a good year. This could be his season. He's a senior. Now's the time, you know, now or never. He For could real. stay another year, but at that point, I don't think he would. Um, I like this guy a lot from Colorado. Immediately, he made like a pretty good impact, I think. Uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew. Okay. He is from Montreal. Uh, but he played for Colorado. He transferred from Colorado. He was a buff. They've they've always had our number, so the more we can dismantle that team, I'm happy. Over there, he started 28 of 33 games. He averaged like 11.1 points per game. Oh, guess what his field goal percentage was, dude? I'll give you one guess. It's a it's a three digit number because you know it's point blank blank blank. A hundred percent. No. You said it's a three digit number. Point blank blank blank. You know what I mean? Because oh, it's a percentage. 0.247. 0.420, dude. I no thought, ways. I, I thought if, yeah, yeah. So just remember that. Uh, let's hope he keeps that going into the Ducks, too. But more importantly, my man, Keyshawn Bartholomew is friends to Quincy Garrier. Uh, and I, like, they literally, I believe they, you know, played around together in, like, high school. So, like, I, I think that connection really, like, sold him on the transfer. And Dane Altman, king of transfers, as we all know, crankier as, cranky as ever, appear, uh, seemingly, which is good. The, for the Ducks to be good, for Ducks men's basketball to be good, he needs to be cranky. Like, outward yeah. angry. Well, you know, uh, the best when he's Ducks not, are that's pretty cranky. Yeah, I think so. He's definitely cranky. If he's just, like, got his arms crossed and just looking upset, that means we're done for the season packing in because he he's like, nope, I can't work with these boys. These boys. Interesting. Yeah. It is also interesting how much longer basketball coaches stick around than football coaches. Yeah, typically, you know. I think there's there's less pressure, honestly, um, on those coaches at most schools. But also, I mean, like Dana Altman, he is a especially loyal dude. He was at Creighton forever. Yeah. Yeah, been here forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, again, Will Richardson's gonna be a, a pretty key part to all of this. Uh, Quincy Garrier returns 
I and that's huge. He was the transfer from Syracuse, but he did really well last season. I think he he was definitely one of the best players, one of the brightest spots uh, on an on like a you know up and down team. He averaged ten point one points, five point three rebounds. <laughs> Dude, guess what his uh, shooting percentage was? Point four twenty. Well, yeah, so forty two percent, so four forty two <laughs> points there. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I'm learning. I'm, they're friends, and this is their sh- they shoot the same. They both shoot 420, man. I That's get it. That's great. I love these guys. They probably did that on purpose. Um, and I'll tell. And then it's going to be a rotating kind of like who's going to get in there. But the reason why we should also be excited because these boys last season, women's basketball, they were tall first. They had the official tall first trophy. You know, didn't really translate to as many W's as we wanted, but they were a tall-ass team. Sometimes injured, but, uh, hey, tall trees tend to get injured more frequently. This They are the tall t- furs this season, though. This men's team rules. They are so tall because we got the backups, Nate Biddle, who, mm-hmm. you know, he's a sophomore from Central Point. I'm from, I'm from Medford, so I've been to Central Point many a times. Very, uh, I don't know, boring. But he's he's out of there. He's in Eugene. Seven-footer. Uh, he had his, actually, in his first game, He I believe this is the first time he's gotten two double-digit scoring. He looks pretty good, especially, I think, I mean, defensively, it's Nate Biddle and um, in, in Folly Dante and Khalil Ware, or Khalil Ware, I believe is his name. So this is early season for me, too, everybody. But um, he's a five-star freshman, and he really made his presence known in this game. Like good, he, yeah. I I think two seven-footers off the bench is definitely something that's really easy to root for, like as a fan base. And Duck fans haven't really been, I don't know, like ready to like support the men's team as the women's team and I think it's just because style of play like it's just been boring a lot of times yep and and like we've been riding that Sabrina Ionescu wave for the women's team for a while even though in game one the attendance was a lot higher for the men's team than the women's team but there's a whole lot of factors to that it was in the middle of the day as opposed to 7 p.m. yeah I think still some people are you know freaking out about you know, going to basketball game because COVID and stuff like that, which makes sense. Uh, but so the first, this first showing for the men's team, just like I've been complaining for the women's team, and I'm just like, this is their Achilles heel. It's the three point shooting. It wasn't very good in this one. And that is because two players, namely Will Richardson and uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew, they both went like two of eight from three point. Jeez. Range. Yeah, which isn't great. It so, felt Bartholomew's felt a little bit better because his three pointers were early on. So you were like, "Yeah," and then Will Richardson's were like late, like late so in the game. What makes based off of that? Then what makes you think Will Richardson's going to have a year? Or is it more like he? Oh, needs I hope to have a year? I, he needs to have a year. I'm not, you know, like I hope he does, and a lot of players do. You're not you know, seeing. Do you think he will, or do you think he probably won't? 
I'm I'm betting you will because I'm a Ducks fan. That's about what it is. Like no there one, you go, no one knows doll. but him and the people seeing him. Uh, I hope he does certainly. Um, but in this game, he did go four of eleven from the floor. But yeah. again, we don't necessarily need him to score Peyton Pritchard numbers. Like that wasn't our best team even when it was just dependent on one player just going off. That's not really right. Dana Altman ball even. Um, and in the end, Will Richardson. I'm not did for sure. Points. I'm not for sure. I've been around long enough to have seen a good men's basketball team. I don't think so either, man. I mean, we'll we've been going since 2017. It's been uh, constant. We're gonna be super good, and then it's like flat lines. Yeah, yeah. Or there was there was um a couple Peyton Pritchard teams because I remember we got to like a Sweet 16. That was fun, and that was like surprising. And then Peyton Pritchard actually like going into that COVID uh, year that where they cancel, you know, the very beginning of COVID when they mm-hmm. can- canceled March Madness. That's uh, right. Act- actually, the Ducks were looking pretty good that season. That's like, right. Well, I remember that. Basketball that that looked like the that best was a hot team. like. Yeah, because we were stoked about going into March Madness because it was looking like we might. We were having that classic men's basketball mm-hmm. end of the season uptick. Yeah. And one, it was specifically like, holy shit, Peyton Pritchard is coming alive right now. And in the entire country, there's not really a team that had like a dominant player as good as well as like Peyton Pritchard was dominating at yeah. that moment. And so Let it looked like, hey, we're, we're heating up at the perfect moment. And then women's basketball, that was the legendary best team that we had, right. we had or may ever have. <laughs> so tragic. Qu- question for you then. Mm-hmm. Because I was just thinking about that. Uh, does it appear like this group of dudes mm-hmm. are going to be able to latch on and perform Dana Altman's style of play. I think so cuz what a, a big part of it is you either have to have a really special group of players that where they've transferred in cuz you know usually he's going to have transfers. It's a big part yeah. of just he's like I just want the best talent at these key parts and a lot right. of times you can see like this guy's got what I need. I'm just going to see if it can translate hopefully plug and play kind of thing. Um, So it either takes a lot of special guys that can just kind of figure it out almost immediately or more likely a combination of veterans that have been there at least, you know, like the season before and have actually gotten playing time with new talent. Right now, I think it's promising the returning talent Makes it so it's like, hey, I'd bet on this Ducks team. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe really being competitive in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 looks to be a good conference, so anything could happen. Maybe yeah. specifically because, it's like, just, mm-hmm. It's just constantly the storyline is it takes the team a while to, yes. you know, to snap into Dana Altman's style. Like, almost mm-hmm. an entire fucking season. That's what we and say it's every like, single year, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like, geez. Is his thing is his system so fucking complicated that no it takes everyone months to figure out or 
Is I it think just it's... our playership is not super great, and this should be taking like two weeks? Well, I think it is. It, it is complicated, but not necessarily just the fact that it is quote-unquote complicated. It's more that you need to drill it into your brain to the point where it becomes second nature, to the point where it becomes like reflexive. And mm-hmm. so that it's not just that it's like thinking exactly. It's like, OK, I need to switch off to this guy or or, you know, like I need to break immediately like this or something like that. It's more that needs to just become boom. And you need to do that as a unit. So it's really just more gelling, which is why the veterans can really help this out. And you know, right. this is about any team you could say this, but it just seems especially true with Dana Allman's teams because he's not looking for like hero ball. You know what I mean? He's looking for so good then, defense that turns into great offense. So mm. then what do you do when you've got a bunch of fresh men uh-huh. watching a senior miss seven of 11 three throws, uh, three he, pointers? Uh, he was two of eight, but your point is taken. Yeah. Oh, he's two of eight. Yeah. Uh, I, I think people are pretty Same, six of Six of eight. He missed six of eight. <laughs> Um, you know, it's not great, but I'm the energy of this game was very good, I would say. It was 80 of uh we beat them 80 to 45. They actually do seem like a pretty decent team that was just kind of out talented and and specifically it's like holy hell again, like off the bench we got two 7-footers. Um, rebound wise, 80 we got, kind of low. Shouldn't we've gotten like 96? It doesn't really matter. No, for a college basketball 80 is <laughs> actually pretty Pretty like sixties is like beginning of like that's a low score. A hundred oh, is like a complete blowout. It's all coming back to me, the sage wisdom of Voss, which is the first person to sixty nine wins the game. Yeah, that's right. Right. We, we, we gotta get him to talk some more basketball. That'd be crazy. Oh, he'll be here. He'll be I've paid him in donuts and he oh, has promised. Good. Hey, by the way, don't go to Dizzy Dean's donuts in Eugene, Oregon. They're not great people. <laughs> oh, we don't need to get into it right now. Just know final that. question. But since mm-hmm. you brought up the town of Eugene, yeah, stupid me. Here's the question: mm-hmm. Are there a lot of fir trees in Eugene? Uh, I gotta look up what a fir tree looks like. I guess. I'm not okay. Well, then let me ask you this: Why the fuck do we call the team Tall Furs? It's because they called that national championship game. It, we probably do. We have to if they called him Tall Furs. We got to have Douglas Furs up here, right? I don't know. I'm not a tree guy. I don't know what foliage is in I Eugene mean, or Yagan. I'm kind of a tree guy if you catch my drift. <laughs> I'm more of a leafy greens guy. <laughs> my man, we out-rebounded them 44-26. to 26. What That's- did I say last week? Get rebounds? I don't know. I I said you the whole game is rebounds. That, no, that is true. I mean, that's what we're hoping here is that you could just be like plugging in seven footers and um hopefully Khalil Whale Khalil Ware. Damn man, uh he, he can also hit the three. Like it would be fun. He looks to be hopefully like kind of a Boucher type. You know, like really lengthy, uh, can hit the three, like is surprisingly can keep that motor going and just like run the entire game. He looks pretty fun. Like I, I liked what I saw of him a lot. Uh, fans are wanting to be, you know, wanting to root for him. That's for sure. There was also Rivaldo Soares. Uh, he he got quite a bit of playing time actually last season. So he, I don't know if it, he's 
a starter right now because he's earned. I mean, it's definitely because he's earned it, but is because he's a veteran and he knows what's going on a little more. And maybe someone else will like, you know, take some of his playing his starting role, or if he's gonna throughout the season, we'll have to find out. Uh, we also had Tyrone Williams who came in from JUCO, and he he actually had a lot of good energy, and I think that's it, it was nice to see. He went four of six from the floor, um, missed all damn three of his free throws, and that was actually a problem in this game too. I think this is just early season kind of stuff that you could write off okay. for any team because we win. I don't know. Dude, we shot here like I'm already alarm. <laughs> uh, sixteen of twenty-eight from from uh, the charity stripe. That's not good. That's any fifty percent, basically. I mean, basically, yeah. Only a few. Yuck! Off. That is really bad. But technically, you would think. Do that's these guys play basketball? My percentage <laughs> is better than that. <laughs> hey, honestly, you know Bro, what we got to do. Am- because you said that, you got to go out. Hater this year, apparently. Is that I like my it. role? I like it. You, we got to get you out to a basketball court and set up your phone at an angle and yep. take ten from the charity stripe. Yep, I and will. First ten, not. Don't choose your best. Don't edit. No edit. Hey, number one. No, mm-hmm. I'll do ten in a row, but. For sure, I'll do ten in a row. I'm not going to edit anything because that's that would be redonks. Yeah, it would. It doesn't show that I can actually hit more than fifty percent. But I am going to warm up, obviously, yeah. for like fifteen minutes. Okay, that's they're playing fine. an entire basketball game. They should be loose and warm as shit. That's absolutely fine. But you got to do that, and then we'll show. I have a court here. blocks away from me, and you're not allowed to talk shit to anyone that gets. Uh, more than your shooting percentage. Fact. <gasps> oh. Is that good? Here's what we're going to do. And we'll do that from three as well. We're going to do <laughs> We're gonna do three. It's a three-tier thing. I'm going to do layups. I'm going to do free throws. Kay. I'm going to do three-pointers. If someone it's on the team. It's not really fair because it's not in a game, the three-pointers. But, I, hey, I think it's fair because you're not – an I am I am se. a forty year old man, non athlete. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, this is I, good because dude. and because we have to do this. The level of non athlete I am is mm-hmm. I have to go buy a basketball. <laughs> I do not own one. Oh come on, man! So that's where we're coming from, baby. There he is. I love it. I love it, man. I think this is a great idea. And here's what we're gonna do every week: is whoever on the team. Doesn't outperform whatever I do. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be cut. They're gonna be the blumpkin of the week or something <laughs> like this. Do you know what a blumpkin is? Because no, I've heard that word before though. It's a very dirty thing. What is it? I don't really feel comfortable. I mean, this is on Patreon. How about this? On Patreon, this will be unedited. I'll Google on, it on the free feed. It. I'm gonna bleep it out. Does that sound good? Okay, I'm gonna tell you. A blumpkin I've heard. We still yeah, got let's more get to get out of here. About. So here's what we're gonna do. So yeah, if they're worse than me, then right now we they're have shooting twenty four percent being really bad. Okay. They're right now as a team, they're shooting twenty four percent. 
again, this is one. This is their first game of the season. It's a small sample size, so I'm not feeling. I'm not actually feeling. What too was the percentage of the other team? Um, sixteen percent. Okay, <laughs> our defense is. I mean, in theory, can I just tell you the best version of this team? What it's supposed to look like, and we'll see how close we can get to that. Basically, right. And then really quickly, then I'm going to pepper on some women's basketball thoughts in their first game. And okay. that'll be the end of this Quaxiball. I'm glad we covered Blumpkins on, on the Quaxiball. We have to. We have to. Listeners, don't look it up. Um, or do. Or do if you want. No shame in here. The Google so, definition is, like, really proper. Pretty, pretty <laughs> it, to the it, point. It sounds very um, scientific and like, oh, yeah, you could bring this up in conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so here we go. So the best best version of this team, Infoli Dante is dominating the entire season. He plays every single game. He is not injured in the slightest and just is a monster in the paint. Duncan left and right, getting steals, lobbing it down the court. For the break, that would be great. Uh, then we, I personally, I did like what I saw from Keyshawn Bartholomew, even if it was just because he hit those early threes, and that probably won me over really quickly. The fact that him and uh, Garrier like have a relationship, like clearly like you know playing with each other, and Garrier is a leader on this team. Really liked what he saw. He can. He's definitely a. A typically a really good three-point shooter, especially last season. We could really rely on him a lot of times. And for a second, he looked... Uh, I, I don't even want to say anything injury-related. It looked like for a second he hurt his foot or something. But he they put him back in the game and stuff like that. But I think he we can look towards him for the deep ball, definitely. Will Richardson, if we're going to be a great team... He needs to be a more consistent shot in yep. general. It doesn't even need to be you have like, his exact digits by any chance. I know it's three points, but how did he do on twos? How he did got he do 11, the line? 11 points total because he hit That's one right. of because he got an and one for a free throw and he hit it. Ah. Um, he got five rebounds. He went four of 11 from the floor. All I'm <laughs> saying, I just want a decent field goal percentage from him, not even necessarily hitting the three. However, like hitting the three is going to help this team like it'd help any basketball team, but it's it's just gonna open things up. Like we <laughs> Well, one know. point per minute would help any basketball team. <laughs> That's it's a simple it's a simple, simple it's solution. Simple. That's just scoring. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Look, uh, for every bucket, you score uh, two points. That means you only have to worry about half a point at any moment. That's actually pretty bad. You're probably going to lose some games doing that. A point uh, per minute? If you've got three people hitting a point per minute and there's 45 minutes in a game. There's there's not 45 minutes in a game. I believe it. There's the two 20-minute halves in college 40 basketball. minutes. So there you go. Yeah. So three you, times you just got to score 40 points. <laughs> huh? So if you're saying one point a minute, then you'd only need to score 40 points. One person. Every person should be oh. striving for one point. Per oh, that's a lot. It's not like, as a every team. starter. 
as a starter. Oh, that's right. You're like, as if a you're starter, starter, you should be, be aiming for one point a minute. I want to make a bucket every, or, you know, every two minutes, I need to make Can someone shot. else score your point for you, you know what I mean? If that's not necessarily your score. No, this is a bootstraps mentality. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, the worst mentality, I feel. Honestly, um, I, I mean, I don't think that the men's team is really going to be doing that because there's some that just are uh, that'd be great but i think the women's team that could be like an actually good strategy for their strengths yeah they're definitely yeah. an offensive mind team but but so those veterans and transfers specifically doing really well it'd be nice if soars just had a great season too I, i'm not expecting a bunch from him i'm not trying to throw shade at him but we'll see what happens um and then off the bench you know, we do have some some good promising talent. Like uh Tyrone looked really fun out there, like Tyrone Williams. Like I said, some energy. We got Ware and we got uh Biddle. Like that's two seven footers off the bench. That's something exciting and hopefully can make it so Dante's more effective because he can get some rest time. We'll see what happens. We got a pretty cushy schedule to start things off. I'm excited. I, I don't think their learning curve will be as long. As some of the really, you know, the less exciting seasons we've had for basketball. Uh, yeah. And so that is, like, up next is November 11th, um, UC Irvine, then Montana State on the 15th. Then we play Houston on the 20th. We play UConn on the 24th. And then, uh, yeah, then we go to Portland, Oregon, baby, hmm. for a little tourney. I don't think we're going to be... Houston, but we might beat the other teams. Okay, well, there you go. I like There's my predictions. Can I tell you a little bit about this women's basketball team? I would love to hear more about them. Well, we won 100 to 57. That's good. Damn. We did kick some ass there. We See, there's score. a team striving for one point per minute. Yeah, surprisingly, we were, sco- we were number 20. Northwestern is unranked. Uh, they're not. I mean, they're a good team, but they're not like usually, they're not like a powerhouse per se. Uh, we were only favored by eight point five points. That kind of surprised me. I thought, I guess I should have put money on it, but no, I didn't. Uh, overall, there was some good freshman play. I was a little concerned that, like in the fourth quarter, like Kennedy Basham, the freshman, uh, you know, like someone with some real height, which suddenly we don't have actually that much of it's pretty much her and like Filipina Che. Uh, she did go to the locker room with the lower body injury that did kind of scare me for a second. And then I think for us for a minute in the first half. Yeah. Uh, Grace Van Sluten left with like an ankle injury, but she's got taped up and she played more. So I don't think that's serious. Um, so offensively it looked pretty good. You know, what was I saying over and over about this team? They need to hit the three. They really yeah. need to be able to hit the three because that's. it seems even more than, uh, than the men's team, it's crucial for for the whole system, for all Kelly Graves, what he's trying to do, that they hit the three. In this game, they were 9 of 19. Specifically bad in the fourth quarter, they were 2 of 6. So... And not, not not terrible. Uh, when you look at their starters, which in this game was Grace Van Sluten, who's the you know promising freshman, 
and and she did look good. I, I thought she looked pretty good. She led uh, all scorers, I do believe. Yes, 20 points, 10 of 16 from the floor. She also got two rebounds. Uh, she didn't shoot from three because I don't think that's necessarily her game. You know, she's hopefully going to – it'd be nice if she filled in for more of like a Satu Sabli kind of role. Like eventually, you know, like that kind of like speedy in between. Well, Sabli mm-hmm. could drain some threes, so maybe that's a poor comparison. But, uh, yeah, uh, she looked really good on the floor. Tahina Pow Pow went 5 of 8 from the floor, 2 of 4 from 3. So, not bad. You know, she didn't shoot that many, but she took what she got. And she hit 50%. That's not bad. She got 15 points, 6 rebounds. Chance Gray, another freshman that we're looking towards really early. She got 14 points, 5 of 8. India Rogers, the or India Rogers, the transfer from USC, who played all last season or most last season, who really good. Uh, she was she got nine points, three of eight from the floor, not great, but she did hit her one three point attempt. So hey, that's what I'm asking for. Yeah, and then, uh, that's a hundred percent, baby. Mm-hmm. And then Filipino Che, who again is just such a clear, dominating presence. Like she's just got a big body, and that is what we need right now. She, it looks like she's really picking up the game quick, you know, because she's come to basketball later than a lot of these players. She's got eight points, eight rebounds, four of six from the floor. Uh, just just really fun. And her nickname is Philly. I like calling her Filipina Che. I also, Philly's really fun too. Every single version of her name is really fun. Uh, yeah, Jenna, Jenna Asai, uh, she went three of six, 17 points. She's... Someone that I think we're going to see a lot of and mm-hmm. hopefully doesn't transfer away like all the other promising young talent. Uh, I'm a little salty. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, Taylor Hosendove, she was she was the transfer from, like, I believe she played on Georgia and Clemson. Um, she looked good. I, I like her as well. She's kind of, like, plays like a bigger player but is a little undersized for that role. But she is, like, I don't know. She feels pretty good in the paint, I feel. Uh, and then Elise Hurst, I liked her a lot. Just a veteran player. And I I, I liked what I saw. I was, I'm was i worried. I, I really hope the Kennedy Basham thing is not something to worry about. Though we may not see her for a little while. I'm totally speculating. But if there's any chance of any kind of injury, it's like the schedule lines up where it's like mm, we can – you know, maybe have her sit on the bench for a little while just to be sure. But that being said, then it's just like, then Che is the only real, like, true size that we have. And it kind of forces us to play a little bit of smaller ball and rely Mm -hmm. on our guards, which in theory could be a good thing because, you know, everyone, there's a lot of talent there, but sometimes we're just not in the shots we should. I don't know, Aaron. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, I don't know either. I didn't watch either game. Yeah. <laughs> no. I didn't Most even know it don't. started already. It seems crazy that basketball this show, already started. Yeah, this show is for the the many, 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 many Duck fans out there who <laughs> like just aren't tuned into college basketball yet because it's early. That's Look, fine. It's a game you don't care about till March. Let's be real. A lot of the time. Let me if I can speak to the audience just really quickly. Mm-hmm. If you are here for Deep House 
electronica doom metal yes you're in the wrong place yeah no i'd I'd agree with that i'd have to agree with that and it's a controversial take but it's one i'm willing to make hey podcast listener hey come over here come over here get over here nice headphones you got in here oh yeah i like those chevy be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack12 Twitter account and gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you listening to your new podcast apps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that what he's doing there, bud? (laughs) Yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the quack. 12 page on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcast, Quack 12, give us internet. five stars. Yeah, the internet. You got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment. Help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing. If you catch my drift. You seen the posters on the telephone poles? Yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us fucking five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then uh, you know, uh, oh hey, hey look at look at this podcast listen on their long inner inner uh, continental flight, making things not so bad. Not wanting to hear that baby by covering it up. Wah wah, so they say, putting on them headphones. Trying to get the sky waitress's attention. Get over here. Give me more of that Quack 12 podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? Yeah. You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Get Otherwise, it. you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, Blash. never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be th- part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars. That's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you, chump? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, let him, let him go, Mikey. Let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! Quack, quack. And we are back on quack, everybody. Ooh, quack, quack. quacks a ball. It really is my favorite sport, namely because I like the way they dribble up and down the court. I'd say amen to that aspect of it. 
Um, listeners, we got a fan favorite once again returning to the podcast to talk about Oregon Ducks football and what could be a legendary season. We've got Hithliday of Addicted to Quack. Welcome, Hithliday. How are woo, you? Woo, 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 woo. Uh, I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good because uh, Duck Basketball won, Duck Football won. There was uh, I actually ended up watching a whole lot of SEC instead of Pac-12 this week because I just didn't want to watch a lot of the Pac-12 games on. Did you? Did, did, do you ever find yourself like watching out of conference? I I, I have four screens that I watch on Saturday. Like, Ooh, yeah, man. God damn! I couldn't. Uh, we did two. Like, I'll do two, and then like. The third, it's like, who am I fooling? I can't really pay attention to the third. So you got an SEC screen, basically, or a like top 25 kind of matchup screen. I flip so. around. I, I use the site. It was actually uh, written by a friend of mine, David Bowker. Uh, the site is called cfb.guide. Uh, okay. Like, instead of com, it's guide. I don't know how a five-letter word can be a, a website. Yeah. Uh, I just image, saw but- one that's dot .world. But anyway, cfb.guide, it's fantastic. Um, it, it's this wonderful, like, visual layout that, you know, updates, uh, you know, with the scores. So you can, like, keep an eye on everything. And you can use oh, nice. favorites. And you can, like, favorite games and then set it to, you know, show me favorite only so that you can, like, kill games as they become uninteresting or, or you know, what have you. Yeah, no. So it's like the laptop's got that going. And then I've got three screens. And then if I... If I need to, I can switch over to the phone, and get the fourth game going. Like, yeah, man, it's full on couch commander for uh, <laughs> for Saturdays. There are, I mean, I know we're not in the bottom eleven here, but there are games that like, like I didn't watch Wazoo Stanford. It, I was, I had missed enough of it before it was interesting, and I'm like, there's, you, did, you know, what? you didn't miss anything. Dude. Yeah, I, 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 I think surprised. I watched like ten minutes of that game and just like, oh, this is a slaughter. I saw the score. Can oh, you no, give that me hasn't any? Done good for me. Any like uh, I think you chose right on that one, by the way. Oh, good. Uh, but uh, could you give me any sense of that game? What <laughs> like I, no. I I didn't look into it at all. I'm I mean like what uh, the here's the crazy thing is that you know Stanford Stanford can't stop the run at all. They have like one of the worst rush defenses in America. Um, mm-hmm. And Washington State, it's not like they have a great rushing offense or anything, but apparently like. It, it, you know, a bad rushing offense against the worst rushing defense in the universe <laughs> produces, I'm not joking about this, 306 rushing yards for Wazoo. Wow. Yeah, Wazoo. it's like, I love yeah, it. like all the problems that Cam Ward is having, which like that offense has real problems with him at quarterback. I don't, uh, you know, like every quarterback in the universe has their best game against Oregon. Um, yeah. You know, and so Oregon fans who are, if they if the only game that you watched of Cam Ward was him play Oregon, you might think that he's like, oh man, he's another one of these like slippery devil of a quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, nah, I really only did that against Oregon and everybody else is kind of stunk. Um, and yeah. he kind of stunk in this game too, but just like, they, they, you know, give credit to Wazoo's offensive coordinator. They were like, well, I guess they can't stop the run. So we're yeah. going to run 38 times for 8.1 yards a rush, which <laughs> and, like Oregon is jealous of those numbers. Like, Yeah, I, I assume um, the big TV in your chamber or whatever it is uh, had Alabama LSU on watching ASU's Jane Daniels. With the uh, I did. Yes. When that game was on, that was the primary game that I was watching. That um, was fun as hell. And, and it just felt like it was not like, I don't, I'm not 
I don't care about the playoffs all that much until the Ducks get in there, and and even then I'd probably have more fun watching a Rose Bowl. But anyways, like it does feel <laughs> kind of nice that you get a watch outside of the conference, and it and you can still be like, eh, this is meaningful for Oregon season, you know, that you can watch like Alabama losing does have an effect possibly on what Oregon can do. And it's always fun to watch Alabama lose. You know? Well, that and and like for anybody who's who wants to, you know, take Bo Nix Heisman campaign down a peg, like, well, he's playing in the the pack. Of course, an SEC quarterback in the Pac-12, you know, tears it up. It's like, well, what's your explanation for Jaden Daniels? Like yeah. by Pac-12 standards, Jaden Daniels was not a very successful quarterback at Arizona State. Uh, and then he goes and, you know, they're having what, what is it, a, an eight and one or seven and two season and they just beat Bama, you know, like, mm. you know, please explain to me how it is that Pac-12 quarterbacks are successful in the SEC. Hmm. Yeah, I I was thinking, I don't know why this really popped in my head. It's probably just because Jane Daniels made me think of like DTR a lot. And it just made me think like, I would love to see UCLA, Alabama. That actually would be like, like if Alabama would probably mm, might happen. Alabama. Like, like how how would that? I mean, I guess in a bowl game. What what bowl game? Would well, the that the Las be? Vegas Bowl the does Pac twelve SEC now. That is right. I knew there was that time. That would be fantastic. I would truly love to see that. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, and that would mean they didn't win the Pac twelve possibly. <laughs> mm. But uh, so I guess eventually we had to circle back to Colorado. Um, this game was pretty fun. I thought, especially because of all the kind of like, almost you could say gadgety kind of stuff that happened, sure. or you know, the, but I, I I did find a little discussion that was happening, and someone straight up asked me this uh, in in Eugene, where they said they were a little concerned that it was like, well, why did we have to use all these to beat Colorado? <laughs> and it was like, it's not that we had to use them; it's like we get to use them, and the uh, the way I took it. And other teams have to watch them. Yeah, exactly. And think that, about the possibility that, like, that's yeah. like that's that's ninety percent of what, what it is. The mm -hmm. the last the last uh, you, you're absolutely right. Um, and it doesn't need to be belabored. Like the more you know stuff that you put for for opponents to have to like, oh god, I got to practice against this. But then mm -hmm. you know the other thing is that like, yeah, you know, definitely that halfback pass, you know, from Irving to Knicks, like that's definitely a trick play. And actually, I exclude it from the data for the purposes of writing my articles because it is mm. but the other two i you know the the sewell fullback dive you know that's a totally repeatable play you know why not you know yeah. that, that's it, do you uh, just is We're, it just sewell is possibly just the best body type for a fullback that we have on the team for uh seemingly i guess he, sure and i mean he did that in high school you know go back and watch his mm. high school film like he played some of that in high school so you know unlike patrick herbert who was just a you know tight end pass catcher um mm. who's the fullback in in a lot of their eye formation stuff um or like putting josh connerly in 94 instead of 76 yeah. which is an eligible you know number um and like that was for that, that wasn't like impromptu that wasn't like the jersey they had sitting on the sideline that they'd zip him up into sometimes you see that you know for like special plays you know whatever teams will do that no that's like his real jersey it's got his nameplate on the back of it it's fitted for him and everything um so you know and, and i think like going forward they're just going to line him up as 94 
Um, you know, they probably have a 76 jersey sitting around for him in case one of the tackles has to go out of the game and he needs to fill in as a, you know, as a normal tackle. Then, of course, he would need to put an, uh, in, in a, an ineligible number back on. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, just keeping him in 94, which is the number that he played in for the entire game. And just, you know, every time he lines up, you have to keep in mind that there's a possibility that he just goes out and catches a pass because he's just a tight end. He's just another tight end in that formation with that number on, like just because he's built like an offense of linemen that doesn't change the rules um it's so like yeah no the, you know those things are for real and then the other thing i would say is that like i sort of think there's a little bit of psychological management going on i in, think so too in the sense that like colorado is not a very good opponent um it's being played in weather conditions such that like it's funny because you know everybody remembers all those trick plays and like the zany stuff and like the game started or like on the second play they hit that big pass to chris hudson and so like and then you know also in this game colorado hit a giant pass you know their line was past the day and like those are probably the plays that like stick in in every all the fans minds but like when i'm doing the charting you know for this game like 95 percent of the plays in this game are like super boring and based not super boring i actually enjoyed it quite a bit and in fact there's a bunch of little subterranean um things that maybe i'll talk about in a little bit but like um but like it's a lot of short passes through most mm-hmm. of the game it's a lot of screen passes it's a lot of short runs it's you know both teams are trying to do methodical stuff because they can't really throw deep with the man wind or if they try it's a real like roll of the dice like seemingly the entire country was in one giant the tornado from wizard of oz yeah it was, it was crazy it was, like, it was weird to like go from one side of the country you're watching a game and you're seeing the wind blow like crazy and then you go over and you're watching like in colorado seemingly the exact same level of so dust. much trash I know yeah. it's like there's like junk food wrappers swirling around constantly. Like, it was like it was on a couple different plays. I was sort of like, oh, that's a really good play. Oh no, there's a flag on the play. Oh no, it's a hamburger wrapper. Like that's not a flag. It was the most American display I've ever seen. It was not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, junk yeah. food swirling in a football stadium. And, and that super American. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That play. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, let me the, just the, uh, finish the yeah. point real quick, which is that like yeah, sorry. I think that because sort of the nature of this game, because of the conditions and some and the opponent was that like this could have been kind of boring for the players and they might have had some complacency going on i think maybe some of those trick plays were thrown in to sort of like keep the keep the kids you know energy energy level high yeah. you know because there's fun stuff going on that, that was it that's the end they of the were point. fun i think so too and when you have it's just like you put on tape it's like hey look five star noah sewell also gets to score a touchdown and, like, that's just a little thing that exists out there on the Internet. And, like, when people say, I mean, there is a million reasons why people like watching Kenny Dillingham's offense more than under the Cristobal regime, his offense, is uh, there's a ton of reasons why people are more excited. But also, little things like this do go a long way, you know. And I think against Colorado's a perfect time to do it. Um, I, we've, we've said this for years. It's kind of hard to talk about at length either like blowout victories or blowout losses a lot of times you it's just like you talk about the big exciting moments but you're really talking it's it's just hard to go in depth against a team that's just like not making any mistakes a lot of the times I kind of feel that way about Bo Nix right now like what's there to say about this guy besides he's running this offense really well yeah, I mean, like, he seems to be actually a, a Heisman contender, even. And, they like, Georgia helped that. us out. Georgia helped us out by, like, making Tennessee look like 
Oregon looked like. Like that was nest. I mean, the score was closer, but it wasn't all that different, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. There, there's a lot of twists and turns before the final weekend. Like, um, you know, who knows how Heisman campaigns, you know, yeah. but like quarterback on a successful team who has some Heisman moments, you know, and sort of a compelling story, uh, you know, redemption. Yeah. Okay. Why not? <laughs> and we have, we have a bunch of potential ranked teams ahead of us, mm-hmm. none of which are known for having like great defenses, great secondaries. I mean, Oregon State's secondary has, you know, had some great games, but, but still no- nothing that could, that look to shut down Bo Nix in the future. Uh, we shall see, you know, Utah is probably going to be the best defense that they play uh, since Georgia. Um, I mean, they just grade out that way, like, um, or at least in their past defense, uh, anyway, their rush defense is actually not real good. And, and so there's a possibility that like Oregon does the strategy they've been using a lot of the early on in the year, which is like, well, your rush defense stinks and I'm afraid of your quarterback. So I'll just run the ball a million times. And if that's <laughs> the case, maybe Bonix doesn't have opportunities to hit awesome passes, you know, against them. Who knows? Yeah. And, and it I seems mean, like, like it could lead to more of the funny stuff with the handoff pass. Nick's runs yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It could be. Um, <laughs> he's a, uh, I don't know. I mean, they surprise me every week, which is that that's good. You know, like it's yeah. usually pretty <laughs> tough to surprise a film reviewer. Um, but. Yeah, I, I think I think it's legit too. that. I mean, with the amount that they're keeping him in a lot of these games and the fact that, you know, he caught through and ran for a touchdown in this game. Uh, I think they're being like, hey, hey, like here's a lot, whole lot of Heisman footage, I'd say, you know, uh, I, don't I mean, know, it's, it's been fun to see. Yeah, uh, I, it looked like Dante Thornton, you know, for a minute got injured. I, I have no idea. I haven't really looked into no, it. No, I don't think I, I didn't see anything about that. Like he was actually yeah. like, it's funny. He hasn't been getting a lot of receptions for a variety of reasons. I don't really think you know read too much into it or anything. But like yeah. he's he's in on a lot of plays and blocking. And it's kind of funny. He's actually Oregon's best wide receiver blocker. And it's nice. like, yeah, he's like, you know, practically a five star wide receiver who came in, you know, with, you know, Troy Franklin and just, you know, vagaries of football hasn't been getting that many catches. But like, mm-hmm. you know, if you told me like, boy, the guy that you're really going to value on the team is Dante Thornton for his blocking, you know, like that, that'd be a weird yeah. thing to learn when he committed. Well, that's really good to know, too, because it's like he's that's one name that hasn't popped as much purely because like, you know, Troy Franklin and so many tight ends and and running backs that are catching the ball. So, well. right. Exactly. It, it, it does. Uh, I do remember you pointing out the that uh, Dillingham when we were kind of like speculating a little bit of what the offense could be. Uh really pointing out the excitement of like we could be using the tight ends a lot more you know effectively than we have in the past and that seems like it's really come yep. to fruition uh yes super exciting for, way for, thank you for noticing that uh, that i point out things like six months before they happen and then did you also forget, notice like i i was just listening to no truck stops podcast and i was gonna tweet this at you at some point but i forgot but just i just wanted to be like why the hell didn't someone tell me that Plummer was such a good QB at Cal? Uh, literally, uh, the last no truck stops I listened to, I remember they're like, "Hey, we, you heard it here first, folks. Plummer yeah. is good." <laughs> Just like, yeah, no, dude, I, I wrote an article on Cal in, in I think May or June. You know, <laughs> I, know. I would have, you know, I broke down his numbers versus Aiden O'Connell. Like, yeah, yeah okay. 
I don't, you know, sometimes I feel unappreciated. I, I, I must say, mm-hmm. but, but then I come on this podcast, Adam, and you make me feel great because uh, you remember all the fun. correct predictions that I make. That and other we, people and are... we delete all the other ones. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The archivist on this podcast is really working overtime to delete all the stupid things. That's fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this, this game was just a lot of fun to watch until it w- until it got to the point where you're like, okay, end this game for both yeah. people's sakes. Uh, <laughs> did, did you have anything that popped off the, the numbers? There, there were actually a lot. Well, no, not in terms of the numbers. No, not really. Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty much exactly the way that you would expect. Um, uh, the the to me as a film reviewer and this may not interest most of the universe but whatever uh is that both of the teams were actually trying out some new stuff um in this game which like week 10 you know that's sort of an interesting decision but like colorado on their first drive busted out a bunch of stuff that they had never shown on film before and i can be pretty certain in saying that because they didn't play an fcs game so i didn't skip any of their film um so like they were lining up in some six offensive linemen formations and then like it, it and would bait Oregon into thinking that it was going to be a run play because like why else would you bring out six offensive linemen and then they would throw passes out of it. Um, mm. And then so they surprised Oregon a couple of times, you know, on the o- opening drive with that one, um, although later you know, Noah Sewell figures it out and actually baits the quarterback into an RPO throw and almost comes away with the pick six. That would have been fun if he had two different touchdowns on the day. Like um, back to a near back to back too. Yeah. Cause he had just scored his rushing touchdown. And like, um, uh, they, they did this like long tight end sweep into a wham block on a split zone play. They had never done that before. And it created, I think like their second most successful run of the day. And that happened mm. on their first drive. And it was like, they never did that before. Like, or, you know, and that's another one where, unfortunately it's just a coincidence but like sewell's the one who winds up looking like the dummy on that play he's not really being mm-hmm. a dummy because like the way that the the formation is set up there's an unblocked end doorless and so the running back's not going to go that way he's going to go the other way so he runs around to what turns out to be the backside. well guess what the tight end is coming from the other side like not the other side of the formation from the opposite sideline he's running all this way down and then he uh... wham blocks doorless so now you know the running back gets to go that way and now there's no linebacker there you know and that's because sewell did what he was supposed to do if that were a normal play but then guess what it wasn't a normal play because they busted out a new play on the first drive and there's another one too it was you know what they did on the fourth down you know where they start out in a shotgun 12 personnel and then they quickly collapse down to the i formation you know in oregon's got to like reconfigure their defense in like a split second um but they do successfully and then keith brown who's in as the backup linebacker because jeffrey bossa was um out the first half because of the the targeting call last week um he's got to like figure out what's going on he sifts through it and he makes the fourth down stop and so like you know colorado pulled out all the stops on that first drive it's why they was i think it was their longest drive of the game or, or basically so um and uh and it was because they were really sustaining it with like a bunch of like new and creative stuff which look as a film reviewer like in a game that would otherwise be really boring to watch for the reasons that you have articulated uh it was like ooh, look at all these treats and then for it to end with keith brown backup linebacker solving the puzzle and and stopping the drive so that they got no points. It was like this was the perfect ending. This was like you know really happy for me as a film reviewer. I enjoyed that bit. Um, and then Oregon just went on and destroyed them. So you know that, that was all fun too. Um, I mean, defensively, we held them to ten points. I'm I'm very happy about that. And when people talk about Oregon, that or or any of the Pac-12 contenders. That is the their biggest weakness. It's just like, yeah, but that defense is is not elite, you know. Um, when Oregon is making mistakes on defense, 
my guess would be that it is not due to a talent disadvantage most times. It's it's people being out of place or, or being tricked in, because of a good offensive call or, or change or something like that. Does it do mistakes tend to be coming from one position group, one player? Are they spread out pretty evenly? Is it from is it first to second? Like, have you noticed any kind of trend that, or, or even progression from the defense that that you'd like to speak on? Well, you know, in this game, the most memorable one I'm sure is that you know 81 yard touchdown pass that comes on a That's miscommunication right. between Stevens and Gonzalez. Um, and I know that for like much of the off season and, and early part of the year, like that was the area that people were like, boy, I'm really worried about the secondary. Um, and so like, even though, you know, all those things, uh, you know, are the case, it's, uh, it's not what worries me like at all. Like that's, you know, that was very rare. It's basically only happened one time this year. Um, mm -hmm. they basically, you know, they got lucky, you know, the wind caught the ball right instead of blowing it off course. Like that they're <laughs> basically neither of these teams were taking deep shots. That was like one of the very few ones that were taken in this game. Um, you know, and, uh, and really when you break down the numbers, that's not the thing that's concerning. The thing that's concerning about Oregon's defense, um, in terms of their, you know, it's really their pass, not the run. The rush defense is great. Um, and especially if you're excluding garbage time, which like, I don't, you know, if yeah. you're not like, I don't understand why this is difficult for people to comprehend. Like if you're winning in blowouts, then you're putting in the developmental squad. The other team is behind and still has their starters. They're going to be throwing the ball because that's what you do when you're behind. And so like, of course the pass defense looks bad in garbage time. Like, mm -hmm. like it's like, this is, you know, like, and if you're not excluding garbage time when you're generating your data, including some advanced statistical systems, what I'm just like, what are you doing, man? Like, uh, like this is not helpful for predicting the outcomes against yeah. future opponents. Like uh, anyway, um, you know, the issue is the inside linebackers and in particular, you know, and I highlighted in my article this morning um, is that like the way that they are electing to choose to defend like RPO passes over the middle like slants and little in-breaking routes um is they have the inside linebacker come up on the play and sort of in, in a play the run and then he's supposed to just deter those throws over the middle by leaping into the lane and if you have a quarterback who's willing to take that risk then you're going to give up like 17 yard passes um like the way the safeties play keeps them from those plays from going explosive but it's definitely enough to convert third and longs which is what happened in this game um and, you know, like I put three of them in my article um, <laughs> and one of them, like Jeffrey Bossa is jumping happens in the second half. So he's back in and it literally goes through his hands like you can if you zoom in and play that in slow motion, you can see his fingers like you know waggle you know as the as the ball goes through his hands. And so it's like it really is just the quarterback taking that chance and most mm -hmm. quarterbacks, you know, if they're rational, they should be deterred by that. But like. Oregon opponents are often in the position where like, I need to take this chance, you know, like we're getting, we're losing. If we punt on this down, that's it. The game is over, you know? And so you're going to see that. And it's like, it's frustrating. I understand that, but you know, it's not really an option for them when they're playing in the red zone because the safeties get to come down and that you, you get help um, on those sorts of passes. And that's why, you know, yeah, they can extend, you know, opponents can extend drives with plays like that, you know, between the twenties, but when, you know, they're not going to score touchdowns on them. 
you know, with explosive, it's not going to generate an explosive play. That's the nature of where the safeties are positioned. And th when they get to the red zone, that option gets taken away because the field gets compressed. And so it doesn't really mm -hmm. worry me. Like, yeah, these, the, 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 the raw stats, you know, about Oregon's pass defense don't really worry me. And then actually doing the film study about which specific types of passes and why, you know, have, have created problems for the Ducks also don't worry me. And that's the reason why Oregon's red zone score like their red zone defense touchdown conversion rate number i'm sorry that's mm -hmm. a mouthful but you know what i mean um <laughs> opponent's ability to score touchdowns against oregon is really and so it's like how do you think that oregon keeps blowing out teams if they have such a catastrophically bad defense various yeah. commenters you know like like how wh what's the disconnect there like what's your explanation for it my explanation for it is that your system is garbage um you know defend yourself is what i want to say to these people and then i and then I don't because it's kind of then rude, you challenge like, from the duel. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, so yeah, Christian Gonzalez, you get the game ball, and you should have gotten that touchdown. We mm. all know it. We all fucking know it. Yeah, I definitely love the Pac-12 reps taking like ten minutes to review a play and still getting it wrong. Oh, like it's like I see the grass in between his foot in the line. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Pac-12 refs and true. I, yeah, they're the worst. That's all I gotta say. Um, Jamal, I think Hill. they're going over overtime. I think uh, they're going for overtime. That is a great theory. I, I did unlikely in a forty-nine to ten game, but <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah. how are we gonna get this? <laughs> if we take it away, maybe the Ducks will won't be able to score again. Um, they're like, I got twenty bucks on the spread. Shit. They should have been like, he fumbled <laughs> out the end zone. Uh, so Jamal Hill is probably gonna miss the first half of next game. Just that seems to be the way. To, I don't think they actually yep. ever overturn most mm -hmm. of these. I don't um, know if they're going to overturn anyone. That one looked really weak. It sort of looks like he's just standing there, and then the yeah. receiver lands on his helmet. Like, yeah, I agree. If if that is, it, it just seems ridiculous. But, but maybe wonder... like Colorado Stadium's a little weird. Like the way that their cameras are positioned are in such a way. I I noticed this over the years with games in Folsom Field. Like that part of the field is you it's hard for them to get a field level shot at so maybe there's mm -hmm. something that refs saw that we weren't able to from the camera angles on that one so i don't want I, I don't want to imply that there's something you know nefarious going on there it's well, entirely possible that there was a you know a I, launch mean, we just didn't see. I don't want to imply the refs were doing their job well though hmm. all right well i will say there must be something with the angles because there were so many hits that i felt were like well surely that one's targeting you know what's Not really what is this this seems like targeting you know what's really unfortunate like somebody on a message board i was reading pointed this out and it like it really resonated with me uh and so i'll echo it but i don't want to claim credit for originating the thought is that uh is that like so so, you know, so a defenseless receiver, you know, who's making that catch, like you need to go super low on them to eliminate any, like if that gets called targeting, standing there and having someone land on your head is targeting, mm -hmm. then what mm -hmm. you have to do is go for their, you know, their legs or their hips every single time. Where the exact same receiver, the, their, you know, who, the, the true freshman, Jordan Tyson, who's emerging for Colorado is their best, yeah. you know, receiving option. What happens later in the game is I, I think it's Addison. I forget which DB it is, but basically he catches is a stop route he's kind of up in the air and what does the oregon db do he goes mm -hmm. real low on him he goes you know for the thigh basically right. and you know it folds him in half when he lands yep. and colorado just announced that he's out for the rest of the season on an injury right on that Shit. play and it's like you know i don't want to say refs you caused this like draw a line you know a one-to-one -one, you know connection there but like that 
that might be an incentive that they're creating, you know, that like, if you, if you can't reasonably expect that if you're doing your job properly, you're not going to get called for targeting and that what you have to do is cut uh, a, a defenseless receiver. Cause there's no risk of targeting that way. And that's a greater risk of injury. Like, I don't know what we're doing here, you know? Right. I agree. I think it's, yeah. If you're going to do these kinds of penalty types, it's going to get to the point where like the only hit you're allowed to do is like in the chest. I, but I also think I get that there's like, you know, fuel in the fire, if you will, when you're on the field, but maybe when they're defenseless like that and you know, you've got this tackle, you don't need to hit them so hard. There should be like a impact sensor on the suits (laughs) that refs can look at to see did it hit over this amount of impact penalty we need I've actually more thought about this if we're going to do some science fiction stuff like i've actually thought about this a lot and, and like okay. my like pie in the sky like how i would make football better rule change is that like if uh, okay so we want there to be physicality still in the game you know so the, the ball carrier he gets into contact but then he's going to fight for extra yardage right um and so uh uh the 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 you know the 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 issue is guys who are up in the air right like and and what happens is even if it's a violent hit like that if you're up in the air and you sort of like fall forward with your arms extended the ball just gets spotted wherever the ball is when you finally contact the ground and my like and so like there's an incentive to sort of lay out like that to get more yardage especially to stretch for a first down and my suggestion for rule change is because because the refs already have to discriminate between a runner who's on his feet and a runner who's in the air you have to do that because there's a different set of rules that apply for catches that are made when you are on your feet versus when you're in the air um and i won't get into that but just i swear that the refs have to be able to differentiate those two um and so my suggestion is that if you're in the air that as soon as someone touches you that's it the the play that the play is over at that spot and so like uh all that the defender needs to do is put a hand on you and then it can be like yes people will say like oh you so you want to play two-hand touch my response is yes i want to play two-hand touch when re- when when receivers are in the air they are so vulnerable for to injury that it should be the case that if you just tap them that's it the play is dead and even if they continue to go for just like when quarterbacks slide and they're like okay mm-hmm. the play is dead when you begin your slide, right not yeah. when your slide ends they, they they would do the same thing as soon as the defender touches you that's it you know the play is over there and so like just get down safely you know like uh yeah, me my suggestion uh, i've always thought that is the the funniest uh or I, I don't quite know what the word for it is but uh the a ridiculous part about football is that like in 1906 they get together and they they go this da- this game is too damn dangerous we've got to make some rule changes and they go like okay we got to throw the field we got to throw the ball down the field that'll make it safer and like absolutely well, that's like a- one of the most dangerous parts is when you're catching that ball when you're totally well here's a question hithliday with this rule change how do you handle the situation where the receiver is in the air, but clearly in a stable position that when he comes down, he's he could run for another five. Then he would, because no one would touch him. But if he catches it in the air, yeah. and then the defender just touches him, then he's out. Even That's though it. he was able over. to go an additional amount of yards. That's what down. you're trading right. off, that as would... opposed to 
being able to you what know, that would incentivize what that would incentivize is quarterbacks throw the ball not uh high in the air so that the receiver has to jump and get it it would incentivize throwing the ball so that the that receivers could catch it on their feet gotcha that is you've thought it through i like this go. i like this change let's do Commissioner it Hithley. all right it would also incidentally um, reduce the number of those RPO slant passes against Oregon. Maybe that. Uh, That's the real reason. Because <laughs> they have to throw those high. Make it illegal. Talk about that part. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my solution for Oregon's defense is to make that play Fuck illegal. Day. I love it. There we go. Okay. Um, they ought to make a law against it. Let's go into a, a wonderful, wonderful segment in which we shit all over the rest of this conference. All right. Bottom 11. It's the bottom 11. The rest of this conference did need some shitting on this week. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, because even even the the quote-unquote good schools had some, come on, come on, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing there? It sounds like maybe I got some points this week then, Adam. Well, you got some. I'll, I'll give you that, but let's get into I'll it. I'll take a couple. That's all I need. You get more than a couple even. Uh, number 23. Mm, not for long. Oregon State at Washington. We all knew this had some crazy vibes going into it. Supposedly, there's going to be like the rainstorm of the century, but actually, it was kind of just on po- on par for all the other games that ended up happening on Saturday, weather-wise. Um, you know, there was some wind. I mean, oh, Aaron's gone, but I was about to say Aaron was there in Seattle. It was pretty intense weather, but... Uh, nothing that you can blame some of the decisions on here because Oregon State is not able to pull the W off. They w- they lose 24-21, to and it is tougher to swallow when twice they could have gone for a very manageable field goal but didn't. That may be kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know how Jonathan Smith feels about his special teams. Honestly, because there's been another long snapper was injured against Stanford, and that's why they had to yeah. like do a bunch of weird stuff. Maybe he's still hurt. I don't know. Like it kind of, it kind of did make me think that because it's like he's not a dumb guy, and there was there I, were points where I don't. know. I actually didn't mind not going for field goal, or I, I, I actually too. didn't mind going for it. And and furthermore, like um, the the uh, um, ifs and buts. You know what I mean? But, well, the other not- thing is that like. The way it happens is that they go for it on fourth down the first time. They don't get it. And now Washington is backed up, but Oregon State gets the ball back with good field position for that reason. So, but if like if they kicked the field goal, then they would have had to kick off. And so they would have, you know, when they got the ball back, it wouldn't have been it. So, like saying that they had back to back opportunities and therefore could have gotten six points is sort of like that's not you're editing the timeline wrong. Um, I get you. But anyway, the uh, um, yeah. but like my problem was just like the, his play selection on fourth down and on first down was bad. Like he mm. does not seem to realize that he's quarterback sucks. Gold Branson. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. And, and he doesn't seem to realize that his tackles aren't as good as they were in previous years and they can't stop Washington's pass rush very well. And he doesn't have a quarterback who can scramble or create, you know, plays off schedule. Um, Not that he's very good in the pocket, but like he definitely is not good out of the pocket. And and it's like Jonathan Woody, and yet they're rushing for like eight yards a game yeah. every single time against Washington's crappy rush defense. It's just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you know, um, yeah. I, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Like, so anyway, um, my uh, 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 there was an interesting tweet um, 
uh, my friend Parker Fleming, um, who writes for our sister site, Frogs of War, uh, about TCU, does a, a net success rate every weekend where it's basically like, you know, team A success rate versus team B success rate. And there are teams every week, you know, that like they basically they outplay their opponent, but they lose. And this is a mm -hmm. graph of like how badly they outplayed their opponent and still lost. Um and the second worst team of the weekend was Oregon State versus Washington. Like, Ugh, they badly yeah. outplayed Washington and still lost that game. Highlight and of the game by far was that pick six that happened while the commentator is being like, Oh, yeah. This Penix, oh my God. Yeah, he is Ware. so great. I mean, like, six. literally during this game, he was, he was like, Boy, even his throwaways look great. He's so crisp when he's firing the ball into the stands. I'm like, Andre, what are you doing? Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, that was a nuts one. Um, you went with the Huskies, you went with your home team here. And so you got this one right. Absolutely, you traitor. It I does feel make like it... they're going to be a decent team by the end of all of it, you know? They'll have Huskies. a respectable record. I mean, certainly year one after what they're coming off of, I, I wouldn't be I too upset. I'd be concerned. Yeah, I'd be concerned. But Mo Almost every team that they've played has a 3-6 and six record. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, literally 3-6. and six, like, <laughs> uh, and And they lost one of them. <laughs> Yeah, like well, then I, they better have a respectable record if that's who they're going against. Well, yeah. that's yes, that's my point, Aaron. Number right. eight, okay. Oregon at Colorado. Oregon won. We've been talking about this. It wasn't close at all, which is what you want to see. Um, Cal at number nine, USC. Did you know that this plumber guy's pretty good? Yesterday, <laughs> I, I put like a whole video in my preview article that nobody and, reads, and it was like set up perfectly where it's like USC should have read your article because it it honestly felt like at the end where it was like, all right, we're good, we got this thing won, and then like he came out and like got some deep passes like in crunch time. Unfortunately, I mean, for us, I I don't really no rooting wise i guess it's good for usc to keep winning even if we don't end up playing them in the championship I, it's good just that there's another good team in the pac-12 sure. that's highly ranked anyways but they clearly have like like a lot of people what the national uh media wants to talk about oregon like circle like you know their their defense is a big like i i think that's a big weak point USC is that team. Their defense is in a rough situation, both like just kind of depth wise, injury wise, and uh, yeah. And, and, and it turned wise. out all the the turnovers that they were getting early in the year, you know, turned out that's not sustainable. Um, which yeah. everybody told them, and they were like, "No, I don't want to believe you." Which that's what I would say too. When it mm. when it did happen to us that one season, <laughs> no, Tim Deruder's got the secret code. I swear. Um, but yeah. So, this game was closer than it probably should have. Forty-one have the, to thirty-five. Do you have the drop ready, Adam? Oh yeah, I got the drop right here. Let me play it. This was my stone cold dogs coming from the east side, ready to tear through your town. Monster truck rally. I ordered the duck. There's Saturday, a go. Saturday. Ah. <laughs> uh, there are no. Ma weapons of mass destruction. Uh, I don't know. Uh, How's you? Uh, yeah, it's what there, for dinner. Man, it, <laughs> that was a lot harder. No, I it's... just wanted to point out this was my call for like the wacky game of the week because I he did call it happen. 
You could like, have and said. And I specifically said that USC would still win, but that it would be like, oh, this is weird, and you'd be sweating it out. You could have said wacky pick of the week for like almost any single one of these games, uh, except for eh, two of them were straight up just complete boring blowouts. So maybe not. Number because number twelve UCLA at ASU was not uh, wacky per se. It was just yeah. UCLA it was just a little sloppy. closer than you know because UCLA's defense is in real great. You know, yeah. I mean, that was a six point game with I think six minutes left to play, something along those lines. Um, that know, LA game's gonna be pretty fun though. Oh yeah, like, the, not, the not other the best game my final for the Pac twelve title game. Yeah, like there's not it's not gonna be like the best game of football you've ever seen, but there's gonna be some points scored. Or even if there weren't points scored, it would be a story of just like, wow, look at these, like what the hell's going on? Uh I I'm excited for that one. Yeah, so uh ASU scores a touchdown to make it forty two to thirty six with six and a half minutes left to play, and then uh UCLA answers um uh with a touchdown with only two you know so with two minutes and 31 seconds left on the clock it's still a six-point game and then UCLA punches it in and then ASU throws an interception and that's game over you know with with a 14-point win but like they basically UCLA never really put ASU away I mean I guess you know, at one point it's 42 to 18, but like ASU immediately goes on a touchdown drive to to make it, you know, a game again. And they basically like keep it a game, you know, for the, for the rest of the game. Like, uh, I don't know, man, like, like, you know, you could say that like almost the entire second half is in garbage time. But like I was mm-hmm. watching this game and like it, like it's not like UCLA put in their backups, you know, like it's not like, you know, it, they they were just playing the same game that they were playing and it's like instead of punting like they were you know ASU had three consecutive punts in the first half and then in the second half it goes touchdown touchdown field goal touchdown interception you know for wow you um like that's like you know if, if I wind up having to chart this game because Oregon plays UCLA in the title game I will probably wind up excluding all of that stuff as garbage time um simply because you know, fair's fair, and and they were up thirty five to ten, and that seems to be the threshold for these sorts of things. But I will say, from like watching the game, like if if they sort of like changed up the order, you know, like a couple, like one or two of those touchdowns from the second half got moved to the first half, and a couple of those punts from the first half were traded back. Like, yeah, you know, this game finishing fifty to thirty six, you know, still would have been appropriate because they played exactly the same way that they would have played otherwise. Like. Yeah, UCLA's defense is not great. None of these teams, you know, really have great defenses. Like, you know, the, the fifty to thirty-six is like every week, unless you're playing Oregon and they shut down your offense for some <laughs> reason. Even though apparently they have a terrible defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I went with UCLA. You went with Arizona State Sun Devils on that one. And then we got Arizona at number fourteen Utah. This is another game I, I watched. Like, I would pop in and like just in and out of it be like oh does arizona is this gonna be a prime no is there no yeah and then i just gave up on it uh 45 to 20 arizona just seemingly didn't have it i I don't know i don't know i don't got much to say about this because i honestly didn't watch it well i mean arizona is i don't know they fumbled the ball four times (laughs) like jeez it's a it's they they fumbled the ball in the opening possession and then they actually sort of kept it close for a while and they ultimately they went for it on fourth and 20 
um, which was like, I don't know what you're doing, Arizona. And so, of course, you know, they 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 turn the ball, you know, over that time. And at that point, like Utah starts to, you know, run away with the game. Um, and then, you know, Arizona just starts fumbling, you know, constant like, you know, constant turnovers. Um, and it's like, you know, we. I got to say this like like turnovers and turnovers on downs. I mean, like it's it's two fumbles mm-hmm. and or, or or no, it was four fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Four fumbles and a bunch of turnovers on downs. It's just like you, you keep handing Utah the ball. This is what's going to happen, even yeah. though like Arizona was actually moving the ball pretty reliably, you know, on Utah. Um you know they were you know Arizona rushed for 6.2 yards a carry which which means they outrushed uh Utah um on a yards per carry basis like Arizona outpassed them by 80 yards like um yeah like like on the on on the numbers Arizona outplayed Utah in this game it's just like they kept giving the ball back to Utah and like that's what's going to happen yeah um I, I will say this so this was that crazy pick where I chose Arizona trying to like lob up an easy one for Aaron to pick the, you know, favorite. And instead he chose Arizona. So we both got this wrong, but I elect (laughs) to give Aaron the point because he did specifically say, I have it written down here. He said, that the Arizona game would be a game of fumbles, where it is exact. Oh shit! So I, I did am, say that. I am gonna have to. I mean, there were six fumbles in this game between the two teams. Yeah, but yeah. So you do you you score there, my man. And then um, last but not least, I don't need Washington. a whole point. I take a half point. Okay, we'll give you a half point. Washington okay. State at Stanford was the final one. I, I I thought Washington State's offense was bad enough that Stanford was going to be able to sneak one out. After all, they did beat a team that just beat Clemson, so they got to be a little good, right? No, they're they they bad. We talked about this a little already. Um, you actually went with Wazoo, so you got this one right. I went with Stanford because uh, they're your Stan- favorite team. Because they're my favorite team, and David Shaw's a mastermind, as we all know. Um, but he lost that one, which leaves our scores at Adam over here has got 49. And you did make a little bit of headway here with 40 and a half. So you're eight and a half points behind me. But maybe more super specific predictions will help you out. Now, we need to wrap this episode up but before we do. The pig. The pig. That is right. It is the picks. Will Aaron be able to go a, a, a perfect week and try to catch up with a- Adam, uh, the yep. genius? I almost forgot my own yep. name. That's how smart I am. Uh, boop. We'll find out here. So week 11, Colorado, the very same Colorado that is a very bad team that we just blew out and there's only lost, uh, only won one game at at. Number nine, USC. They're going to the Coliseum. I will, of course, be going with USC. I will, too. That makes sense. Even even trailing, you got to go with USC. That's a Friday game, by the way. Then we have, uh, I mean, y- you see anything to talk about in that game, Hithliday? Do does, no. does Colorado have any chance? No. Yeah, unfortunately Definitely not. not in the Coliseum. Basically, all I got to say is, like, Let's see how many points Colorado scores. I don't imagine many, but, like, I don't know. There's there's definitely a red flag to be had if they score, like, more than 20 
regardless. <laughs> I mean, they, they might score some points. USC's defense yeah. is real bad. But on the other hand, like, Trout is bad enough to throw some picks, um, yeah. which, like, USC definitely feasts on. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll Adam, see what happens. Mm-hmm. for a half-point prediction, yeah. Oh. You only I get think one of what these. you did was accidental, but I'm going to go with it here. Uh, even though I'm picking USC, the this half-point prediction is Colorado will win this game what? because of USC ejections. So you're betting against yourself with your with your bones break. For a half point, I'm saying USC is going to probably have like two defenders ejected in this game. hedging is better. There you go. Okay. Colorado to eject. Or USC to ejections. That's Yeah, the- and I think it'll allow Colorado that openness that they need to win, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe I should I, just maybe I'm going to change it to Colorado. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're actually doing? Can I get two points if I'm right? <laughs> For this? Sure. <laughs> Got it. Let's okay. do it. You're writing that okay. down? I'm writing that yep. down. Colorado, two points. And then I if... say USC, two rejections. Two rejections. Okay. I got that down. That's for half a point. Um, and then we got Arizona State at Washington State. Huh. Oh. This is a weird one. I would go with either one. Both teams, like, (laughs) I guess it's at Wazoo. So that's really easy to just be like, it's in Pullman. That's that's probably enough of an edge for me. I'm going with Wazoo, but I would believe any outcome for this. Yes, literally any outcome. You know, none of them, I, I would be like, oh, that's weird. I need to investigate that further. Like, yeah. Okay. Let's keep this game interesting, then. I'll go with Arizona State. I think that's smart in this point. Yeah, this is like a game built for choosing the opposite. Washington at number eight, Oregon. I'm honestly right. As of right now, my stage in this hate week is I'm trying to pull back because I'm seeing so many people being like, straight up i can't wait till we blow out the huskies i'm like i don't need any of that energy no i'm confident like i feel good about our chances fuck yeah but i'm not i'm not talking about any kind of blowout i do think the ducks handle this one specific uh, i mean especially at odds agreed going with oregon this game will be decided in the first quarter Ooh, i like that um but it'll always be close here we go. Here we go. We'll be decided in the first quarter. Well, okay. Cal at number 23, Oregon State. 23 for now. Um, hmm. Hmm. Cal at Oregon State. Going to the buzzsaw that is half that stadium. The, the stadium that has been buzzsawed. I will go... This is kind of tough. Both of these are pretty flawed teams. Cal is hungry for a winner. They got a good deal. I'm going to go with Cal, actually. I'm going to go with Cal. Well, I'm glad you said that, Adam, because I really do believe Oregon State's going to win this game. All right. Who would you say, Hithaday? This is is a... I got Oregon State. Yeah. Because the the strength of their defense would be, like, something that 
Cal would need to play into. Yeah. And you know. I mean, this game, like Washington and Cal are sort of similar, you know, teams in terms of their statistical profiles, um, you know, what they're good at, what they're bad at, what they want to take away. And like Oregon State should have beat Washington uh, on the road. And now they're at home and they're like half built potato salad palace against <laughs> a Cal team that's like not playing for anything. And Oregon State still has stuff to play for. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Uh, Stanford at number 14, Utah, 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 especially in Salt Lake City. But you could it could be on Mars. It could be literally in the middle of the Stanford campus. And uh, yeah, Utah. All right. I'll go with Utah. You've convinced me. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's it's no. Yeah. Maybe if, if Utah was ranked like number three in the country, then maybe I would be convinced Stanford has a shot. But nope. Uh, Arizona at number 12, UCLA. Oh, Um, boy. It would be bad for us if Arizona won this one. Uh, And I don't think they will. UCLA is going to win this game the way they've won every single game, which is just DTR is going to go out there, have some fun, score a lot of points. Adam, as we all know, cholesterol is bad for you, and therefore I am anti-potato chips. Therefore... Arizona for the win. Arizona because of some reason. Uh, well, there you have it. Another episode <laughs> of the very popular podcast. Oh, man. I'm just Black shooting 12. myself in the foot this season. Well, at this point, you're in desperation mode. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, it's Yo, been bro. fun talking to you. Hitler Day, likewise. Uh, again, go over to Addicted to Quack. Go read and watch his duct tapes. It'll help you learn about this wonderful team. Apparently, according to to Aaron Schroeder, Dan Lanning will forever be... uh, He will watch his children graduate from U of O while he is still head coach here. I said... Till... till He will be here. seven years. He will be here until the Ducks have a national championship. That is what you said. That is right. I, I hope that's true, buddy. I hope it's not at the end of this season. I hope we go like Rose Bowl three, four years in a row, build up that dynasty, and then we take the natty. What if it ends up being like a crazy curse where it's like, like we're, you know, 90 year old men and somehow like Dan Lanning is still uh, like still kicking there. He's the head coach. We have not won a national championship. He's like, I mean, please let me die. He's. At that premium age where he could easily celebrate being a 25-year Oregon Ducks head coach at the pinnacle of his life. Mm, I like it. Okay. Well, I mean, we, we wouldn't really that be beautiful? He'd be 61, like lots of coaches coaching through their 60s. Yeah. Exactly. So he would get to enjoy his – but he would get like that 25-year marker. Okay, well, it Do sounds most like coaches we've got it all that? planned out. Do they out. all start at 30, zero years old? I mean, you got to start somewhere. You it, know? He's he's the current youngest uh, head coach in the FBS at 36 years old. There you yeah. go. Well, there you have it. Until he goes over to Auburn and Kenny Dillingham becomes our head coach, then he mm. will be the youngest current head coach. It's been the Quack 12. Hit the day. It's been wonderful talking to you, as always. Uh, yes, I, I always enjoy these on a <laughs> weekly basis, and I, I certainly hope that we enjoy the next time. Me too. Oh, we oh, will. God, it, it, it'll that'd be it'd be a pretty funny vibe if we did lose. I'll say that much. Anyways, uh, quack quack. See y'all next week. Quack.
I can't believe you ended with that. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 What?